Welcome to the Cosmos in You podcast, where we interview scientists, philosophers, and leading thinkers to discuss the nature of our reality and the impact it has on our daily lives. Hi, everyone. I'm so excited to bring you today's interview with Rob Bell, who I have been a fan of for such a long time. This is really, really exciting for me, and it was a a really fun interview. So if you don't know who Rob Bell is, he is a best-selling author, international teacher, and highly sought-after public speaker. His books include the New York Times bestseller, Love Wins, along with What We Talk About When We Talk About God, The Zimzum of Love, Velvet Elvis, Sex God, Jesus Wants to Save Christians, and Drops Like Stars. And at age 28, he founded Mars Hill Bible Church in Michigan. And under his leadership, it was one of the fastest growing churches in America. And in 2011, he was profiled in Time Magazine as one of the 100 most influential people in the world. Um, Rob was featured on Oprah's 2014 Life You Want Tour and will be speaking at venues around the world in 2015 on the Everything is Spiritual tour. He and his wife, Kristen, have three children and live in Los Angeles. And he is not what you expect when you think about a pastor. If you don't know who he is, um, I think you're in for a great uh, surprise and there's a lot of laughs in here. Hey, Rob, thanks so much for being here. Oh, it's great to be with you. Um, So for everybody listening, I have to tell you, let's just set the scene of what's happening with Rob right now. Um, Rob, can you just like, (laughs) literally, I was just talking about like, you've got to be kidding. Can you just tell everybody what's happening at this moment? What's happening at this moment? I'm on tour right now and we do a different city every day. I do a like almost like a one-man show. It's called Everything is Spiritual. We're in Georgia today, and you do a different city every night, and I do mostly rock clubs and theaters. So last night was Nashville, the night before was New Orleans, and the night before was Houston, then Dallas, then Austin, then Tulsa, then Phoenix, and San Diego. So you you fall asleep each night on the bus. The bus, uh, you wake up in the morning in the alley behind that night's venue, then there's like interviews and such during the day. Then at three o'clock you have load in. Then you have sound check. Then there's a like a early sort of VIP thing. And then I go on and the woman show, one man shows about an hour and forty five minutes. And then afterwards I um, go to the back and I greet and hug every single person who comes if they want. <laughs> I told Rob this is out. And, and never mind, you have three kids and your wife with you. Yeah, and my six year old daughter. Everybody has a bunk on the tour bus. And then you come into the venue. And there's like these green rooms. And so today my daughter actually said, hey, the green room is actually green. It's actually painted green. And that was the big laugh of the day. <laughs> They're so observant. Oh, uh, 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 that's fantastic. Oh, my God. Well, yes. So, well so, done, child. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, it's funny. I actually asked my six-year-old son what I was telling him about this interview coming up. And I said, um, you know, he, he ta- he's a pastor. He talks about, God, wh- what would you want to ask? And he said, he sat there for a second. He said, can you ask him what color God is? I was like, yep, happy to. So there you yes, go. Yes, <laughs> excellent question. I would probably respond clear. That's what he said. He said, is he clear? That's what he said <laughs> right, after. Right, clear or all of the colors. 
<laughs> that somehow don't make up black Ooh, in the end. <laughs> I like that. White. We'll go with white. All make colors make up white. Ooh, there you go. Um, all right. Well, so we're 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 on a tight time schedule, and so again, thank you for being here with everything you have going on. Um, as I said before, I am a huge, huge fan, and I'm so excited to have you here. And I and I told you before the 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 two things I want to talk about today are number one, quantum physics, and number two is rock. Yes. Okay. So, ruach. Yes. Can you can you tell everybody <laughs> what ruach is? Yeah. What's interesting is the ancient Hebrews had all of these words for describing reality that I think need to be rediscovered because they're really great. And ruach. Sometimes it gets translated breath in the Hebrew language. Sometimes spirit. But it's, it's almost like the animating energy, almost like the universe is plugged into a wall socket, and ruach is the electricity that everything's running on. It's the thing coursing through your veins. It's the hope. It's the joy. It's that moment when your soul soars. Um, and, and for thousands of years, human beings have understood they have used the same word for spirit as the word for breath, that somehow our breath is almost like a physical picture or image of a deeper, some would say spiritual reality that we each have received this thing called life, which you can't access with your five senses. And yet it's the thing that's more real than anything. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think, and I love in, in your book, uh, what we talk about when we talk about God, which by the way, everybody please go and read that. It's incredible. I mean, I, I can tell that you're a pastor because I literally felt like jumping up and down saying, Yes! <laughs> oh, that's great. Like, yes! Oh, that means the world. No, it thank really, you. really, it was like, oh, thank you for talking about this. And um, so th- that's where this concept came up. But um, I had this, as I was reading and I had this thought that um, I saw a, cl- a coaching client years ago, and it was this guy, and he's in finance, and he rode up on his motorcycle, this good-looking guy, and he sat down on the couch in front of me, and... Um, and we did this guided meditation where you go visit your future self. And um, and when he opened his eyes, there were just tears pouring down his face. And my Bernese mountain dog, Sadie, got up from the corner of the office and went and put her head in his lap. And then oh, I word. looked at them and then I started crying. And that to me is when I saw the word ruach, right? That moment. Oh, uh, yeah. That moment that you're yeah. talking about where everything is. You know, like, what is that? There were no words. There are no words spoken. And yet. Yeah, yeah. You know, animal, person, person, person. We don't know each other. Dog doesn't know him. You know, uh, like that everything is spiritual. That there is, that we are all, because we are here, before anything else, the recipients of this gift called life. We took a breath. We're taking a breath. We'll take another breath. And that somehow whatever this gift is that we've all received unites us. And despite all the ways we human beings have come up to divide, all the things we've cooked up to divide ourselves and labels and categories and distinctions and definitions, underneath it all, we're all recipients of this gift which unites us. And that uniting trumps all the ways that we think we're different. And you brush up against this, you taste it, you feel it, you... It resonates almost like a tuning fork with your heart. Um, yeah, yeah. And when your eyes are open and you're growing in your awareness of this, you begin to see it all over the place. 
And what was this, these moments, I know one of the things I've read you talk about is, um, you know, seeing the spiritual, the electrical current of the mundane. Is that what inspired you to start this tour? Yeah, I just, I think so many people in the modern world, we were taught to work hard. We were taught to have good strategery. Yeah. <laughs> we were taught to have vision and mission statements. And we were taught to, at, at every age, you know, in junior high, they're like, get good grades because in high school, your grades will count. In high school, you're taught, get good grades because it goes in your transcript. In college, it was do well so you can get a job. At every stage, there's somebody putting the ladder up against a different building and saying, this is how you climb. And then you end up 32 with college debt, driving into work, thinking, I'm actually bored. And so this Western world, it gave us these tremendous skills and it helped us form muscles to achieve and to be successful and to drive and to work hard, but it didn't teach us how to have wonder and awe, how to see the beauty and the mystery and the connection that is just below the surface of everything. And so I think you have lots of really smart, successful, wealthy people walking around bored out of their minds. And sort of my job is to help people open their eyes and wake up and see. I love that. And I, you know, when I, when I read that and when I hear you speak of this funny, what came to mind was, um, uh, Seinfeld, right. Of seeing in the mundane, the show, we're all mundane yes. things, right. There's something right. similar show about in that. nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, somehow those bonkers people find all sorts of life in the mundane and we can't get, get enough of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the other topic that I want to be sure to touch on is the idea of, of quantum physics. What got you interested in quantum physics and how do you bring it in? And I love that you do. Oh, I love quantum (laughs) physics, even though I don't understand a bit of it. Um, because I became absolutely enamored with what quantum physicists were saying that you can keep taking apart particles And we keep discovering that particles can be split into smaller particles and that reality at its core is a relationship of energy. Because I was raised with most people, there's this clear line. There's the material, the immaterial, the physical, the spiritual. But then you discover scientists are essentially saying, actually, that line doesn't really exist. That the material realm is ultimately a relationship of energy. Oh. And what was so fascinating to me as a pastor is... Like if you take the Hebrew Bible, it begins with this poem, and it's a poem about a relationship of energy that holds all things together. And there's actually a book by Leonard Schlein called Art and Physics, where he shows how every major scientific discovery, artists were painting and sculpting and writing about this reality right before scientists were able to name it technically. What? So you have solved Yes. So he takes you through the history of art and the history of science and says, look at Salvador Dali is painting curved clocks. And then not long after that, Einstein says, hey, by the way, time and the universe are curved. Huh. So what this book helped me see is that the mystics, the sages, the monks, the artists, the sculptors, the poets throughout history begin describing a reality and then literally at some point science catches up and is able to capture it under a microscope and say actually it's called this you know what i mean how great is that 
so what just so fascinating to me was, and I come out of um, I come out of as a Christian pastor out of a particular Christian, but then Jewish tradition is that the scriptures are filled with people saying there is a universal energy that surges through all things and all people. It is a cohesive, seamless unity. We all have access to it. It resides within us, deep in our hearts, and yet it's as broad as the universe. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh, these quantum physicists are describing, are giving us hard, cold data about a reality that the great mystics and sages and wise folks have been talking about with poetry, story, myth, fable, metaphor, figurative language, allegory for literally millennia. And that to me is interesting. It, that's how I feel. And so, what, <laughs> I, like, you know, when I watched, what the, how I got interested in quantum physics was um, Brian, you know, the theoretical physicist, Brian, Brian Green. Green. Yeah. God, sure. Love. So his PBS special, Fabric of the Cosmos. Yes. Watched it and I thought, like, what? Like, what? Right. What? Right. 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 <laughs> like, Right. Why do I not? I'm I'm college educated. I why yeah. did I not know this? Why is not everybody not talking about this? I, I'm exactly like you. <laughs> I literally am like, why is everybody not walking around with their heads on fire, going, yes! "WTF is this thing called life?" <laughs> I know. That's why I feel. And then when you listen to the physicists talk, the other thing that blows my mind is they say quantum physics is the most studied science yeah. we have ever the, like we know it more in depth than anything we know about right. science and yet the people walking around know nothing like we've right. never and heard scientists of it scientists are saying these these quantum theories are are probably the most reliable theories we have about anything and the theories are things like oh yeah there are certain subatomic particles that come into existence for a billionth of a second and then disappear we don't know where they come from and we don't know where they're going and this is probably the best science we've ever done right <laughs> Exactly. Or oh, hey, we have one in Hong. We have one particle in Hong Kong and one in New right. York. You do something to one in New York and it reverse the one in Hong spin. Kong. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like like it's no big deal. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. And you and a and a, a particle a particle disappears in point A, appears in point B without traveling distance in between. Yes. Okay, that kind of blew my mind. <laughs> oh, actually, it traveled every single conceivable route but it only reveals the route that it traveled when you observe it. <laughs> Rob. Yes. I mean. We're tracking, you and me. You and you're tracking. <laughs> Thank you for going around and telling everyone yeah. about this, you know? I mean, and, 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 and the other thing is that I thought to myself was, okay, how do we take – and I don't know if you I'm – I'm going to your tour, by the way. It's on great. August 10th in San Francisco um, and the lots of other great days, which we'll talk about at the end. But um, – is this idea that so that you have the observer effect in quantum physics, as you just mentioned, yes, um, and that there's all these possibilities, right? And they all happen at once, and then there's probability of what will probably happen. So then I thought to myself, well, so is that the way, the same way in our life that that you know potentially there's multiple universes, right? There's like all right, these right, possible yeah, yeah. paths we could take, but the one that we focus on and observe is the one that occurs out of all these possibilities. I mean, what's your take on all that? Oh, yeah, yeah. It starts raising questions of just how far does it go? Because we were pretty much raised with this is the universe. Steady state theory was the dominant idea, which is there's a fixed universe. It's just here. However we got here, we're here. And then we're moving around in space that is fixed, and you make your decision, this person makes their decision, essentially self-contained autonomous 
humanitons. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, quantum humanitons, I made up a word. And then all of a sudden, quantum physicists are saying, well, actually, the observer affects the outcome and everything is related to everything else and butterfly effect. Um, and what happened to me as a pastor is I kept encountering things that people were, I had, ex, I just continue to have experiences because one of the things about being a pastor is people invite you into their deepest moments of oh, suffering Yeah, that you just, you just get brought into the inner circle. You're there at the funeral home, helping them plan the funeral when the long lost son who hasn't talked to anybody walks through the door and says, I get to help plan this ceremony too, even though I haven't talked to dad in 15 years. Like you're just maximum security prison. This person is violent. They put you in a room with this person. Like that's, and what happened is I kept seeing people do unbelievable things. There is a family I know who went to the local foster care office and said, please give us all of the most emotionally disturbed kids who are a wreck, who nobody wants to have them in their homes, please give them to us. I think at this point they've had 26 kids they've raised. And I just have seen people respond and do such unbelievable things that demand a universe that's way more pliable and flexible than anybody would think because the modern world was like, you have these limited capabilities, you have limited capacities. Don't get too imaginative because these are rules. But then I just saw really people who work at a telephone company and at Starbucks and moms with five kids under the age of seven do things and access things and be connected. You know what I mean? And then quantum physics was like basically saying the universe is way weirder than anybody ever thought it was. And my work had me going, everything is way weirder and there are way less rules than anybody thinks they are. So that's part of what sort of struck a chord for me at a deep sort of heart, poetic soul level was this science rings true to me. Yeah. I love that. I just, yeah, yeah it's now, and, and how much pushback do you get or do you, um, in bringing science to religion, if you call it that. Oh, no. um, None. People love it. And here's what I I think. I think for, first off, I don't think faith and science are in any way in conflict. I think they're long-lost dance partners. Sometimes you need a scientist and sometimes you need a poet. Um, So I actually... For many people, if you picture like a, like a line with two arrows going away from each other, for a lot of people, faith and science were going um, the opposite directions for much of a past generation. But like if you and I are facing each other and then we turn and we get angry with each other and we walk away from each other, if we walk long enough, we will go around the earth and we will run into <laughs> each other again. <laughs> so that's how I think about it is finally they've walked. They've done this ridiculous walk away from each other that now they're seeing each other on the horizon. They're going, oh, you. Oh, you. That's great. Yeah. And that's just a beautiful thing. So, no, people people love it. And um, they – I don't claim, of course, to be any sort of knowledge. I don't know a thing. But I do know that there are some general agreements across the board scientists are sharing that just ring true. And they just make the whole thing even more interesting than it already was. Yeah. And it just, um, you know, the other thing, and, and again, in your book, I don't know why you have, you have all these words that are um, difficult to pronounce. What's the German one? The Grenzenbegriff. Oh, the <laughs> Grenzenbegriff. <laughs> Thank you. 
I turned to my husband. I was yeah. like, how would you pr- pronounce this? Okay. Right. I don't even know how to pronounce it. Grenz and McGriff. <laughs> oh, yeah. The idea of something that is real but beyond analysis or description. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, because like when your kid was born and somebody was like, well, you know, tell us exactly what happened. You're like, well, uh, I was three inches from <laughs> the edge of the universe. The entire cosmos was rustling around in my heart. You know what I mean? You just have to shift to a diff- whole different kind of language. And I think that, so so on my podcast, I've been interviewing a lot of scientists and a lot of scientists who are studying consciousness and trying oh, to yeah. find consciousness, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And those are the ones who think that the brain creates consciousness and then they call that the hard problem of consciousness because they say, well, if the brain creates it, well, then who's observing the brain, right? <laughs> <laughs> you can't say that. It doesn't make sense. Um, and so, and so, and that goes back to this German word that I won't butcher, but um, that perhaps consciousness is beyond description or analysis or we just, because it's back to you, you can't, how, how do you find it? It was like you said in your book, like, is it in your elbow? Are you in your elbow? <laughs> right. I love that. I love that. Right. It's the great mystery at the heart of humanity that the more we know about everything, the more it highlights how this one particular thing we seem to know less than ever, even as we know more. Our ability to reflect on our own existence is an epiphenomenon with no precedent. Um, so, I, so in the tour, I talk about a flock of birds fly overhead. You're at a park on a blanket looking up and a flock of birds fly overhead. They bang to the left. They bang to the right. They swoop down. They swoop up. Which bird is calling the shots? Because if you were to take the birds one by one out of the flock, you would not locate the decision-making of why the birds all went left but went right, but they all get together and some sort of communal mind forms between them. So these epiphenomenon are you take things, you unite them, and they develop these emergent properties that aren't present at any earlier component level. So a human being is essentially an epiphenomenon. I always ask, in the tour, I ask people, where do anybody ever been betrayed? Every hand goes up. Where do you store this betrayal? Um, And... Where do I store? Where is the person, the event, the thing they said, the money they lost, the thing that happened? Where do we store betrayal? And yet it is part of who we are. So there are the thing that makes you uniquely you with your experiences, opinions, hopes, dreams, longings. We cannot locate that anywhere in your physicality. And yet it is central to who you are. Fascinating. Somehow these particular cells arrange them in this particular complicated way, even though 60 billion are dying every day. And we all agree that that's you, and yet we cannot locate you at any earlier component cellular level. It is the great mystery at the heart of everything, which is just, now that's interesting. It is interesting. And like you said, <laughs> we're always reinventing. I mean, we have a new body every, what, nine years? Oh, my right? word. Yes, but yet, exactly. Yeah, but yet I'm still here. And 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 it is amazing to watch these physicists. I mean, these scientists around the world, Oxford, Harvard, MIT, right. I mean, everywhere. They've been working on this for, you know, and, and they will all say, we have no effing clue what consciousness yes, is. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and, and that is the really interesting thing about spirituality 
is when somebody comes along, and this is a very popular view, which I've certainly heard a million times, is the person who says, there's nothing else going on here. It's time to grow up. Let's leave behind that magical, mythical God, spirit, whatever nonsense. All we are is collections of cells where it's just materiality, grow up, and it's very generally articulate, informed biologists and writers and thinkers. And then that is, for many people, that's the open-minded view. You know what I mean? Yes. It's like, don't, don't <laughs> tell me that is the open-minded view. Um, to the reductionist, materialistic position, no matter how smart and articulate it is, just don't tell me that's the open-minded view. You have to, at some level, the most rational, logical, reasonable position is there, there's, there's something going on here. You don't have to call it God. You don't have to get it bogged down and all sorts. But you got to call it something. 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 <laughs> I love that. It was like one of this person I interviewed, he, he was talking about he does lucid dreaming. And someone said, well, science hasn't pr proven lucid dreaming. He said, well, I'm not going to wait for science to discover lucid right. dreaming, even though I'm experiencing it. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Right. It's like that. Right. right. I have had a flesh and blood experience of this. So waiting for somebody to tell me that it actually happens isn't really that helpful to me. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> All right. So, so the other thing that you've, that you've talked about um, in your book, one of the things that I loved was this idea of water skiing. To talk about what God is like, let's talk about water skiing. <laughs> I love that. I love that because I have water skied and failed many, many times, <laughs> painful times. So what do you mean by that? Oh, that's when I talked about when you're teaching someone to water ski, you tell them the boat will pull you up. That whole section, right, about how, um, okay, here's the deal. For the boat to pull you up, you need to stay down in the water. For the boat to pull you forward, you need to lean back. In order to be raised up onto the water, you have to remain relaxed down in the water. This is so deeply counterintuitive. <laughs> so true. And I, to me, that's just the power of grace is when you discover that you are loved, not because of all the lovely things you have done, not because you have it all together, not because you've accomplished all these great things or, or your goodness, but you are loved in the, exactly the place where you don't have it all together. You haven't been very impressive. You have made a mess of things. And it's the opposite of a point system. And that is, that to me is a, is a beautiful way to think about the world. It's exactly the moment at which I am most aware of my lack, my need, my poverty, my nothingness is exactly the moment where I met with grace and love. And that's, uh, that's a beautiful way to think about it. It's, it's so beautiful. And it's this idea of yeah, you don't you don't have to do or be anything. You know, I you think about um, yeah. I, I just started reading um, the Surrender Experiment by Michael Singer, who wrote who uh, wrote the Untethered Soul. Oh yeah, and um and he talks about this idea of a baby being born right in and growing in your belly. You don't have to do anything. I didn't have to come up with how a brain be formed. I didn't have to come up with, yeah. you know, like how finger, yeah, I didn't have yeah. to do, or like trees are growing and weather patterns happen and none of it is, I am not, you know, orchestrating any of that. And so it, that to me was really similar to the water skiing, you know, because so often in life, I think 
so many of us, myself included, type A, um, feel like we need to do and control, right? Yes, yes, yes. We are so used to the point system. It's so deeply driven into us that an announcement that we are loved and accepted and validated and honored and we are a child of the divine exactly as we are and that none of that gained us any points in this particular thing is so countercultural and counterintuitive and life-changing. It's just extraordinary. Yeah. 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 I love, yeah. I love, love, love that. Um, all right. The other thing is coming back to quantum physics, the Higgs boson, why at CERN, yeah. why there's again, why was not everybody talking about that? I'm, I'm right. Cause, because when you say, hold on a second, hold on a second. We are, we are hairy hominids. We are featherless bipeds who somewhere between France and Switzerland built, correct me if I'm wrong, a tunnel 100 feet below the Earth's surface, 16 miles in diameter, and we shoot stuff that you can't see at speeds that you can't comprehend. We shoot crap at itself, and then when it runs into itself, we look to see if any little bits and pieces um, fly off that we haven't ever seen before, even though we can't see it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. And it's, it's, it's so awesome. It's and, it, and if, and if I understood it correctly, which I'm sure I didn't, but, um, was, and I'm could for the people, scientists listening to this, tell me if it's so wrong, but, but, um, this idea that's that, that, when they crash together, parts of it essentially almost disappear. Like they're, they're yes. they should be measured, but aren't measured. So as if they went to another dimension, right? Right. And, and so there's only a, obviously a tiny, tiny, tiny window when these can be captured. Right. And you don't quite know what you're going to capture, but obviously now they have a high sense of probabilities of what will happen. And then it raises these questions about time about the duration, about where did it come from, where did it go, because we only saw it for a split second of whatever, and then it was gone. So you're, now you're into questions of space and time and forward and backward and future and past, and you're now into some new territory that raises, obviously, all sorts of questions. And yet nobody's really talking about it. A hundred meters, I believe it is, below the Earth. Some, it's just so awesome. But we talk about it's the Kardashians, so awesome. that... His front right, right. We have another picture of Kim and Kanye coming out of a hotel in Paris. Good. Got that. They apparently went to dinner this evening in Rome. Got it. Top, we all know that. Top yes. of my news feed. Top of my news feed. Yes. Taylor Swift has a new boyfriend. Oh, by the way, there's a tunnel in Switzerland where there's some stuff that ran into some stuff. There so may good. be other dimensions and time isn't real. And Right. And then you have string theorists saying, yeah, there's probably 11 dimensions. And that's said straightforward, like, yeah, for the universe to be how the universe is, there need to be at least 11 dimensions. Oh okay. God. Okay. So that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I so mean, good. It's so I good. It. I just, I love yeah. that you were out there talking about it. I cannot wait to come to the tour. I, just... I cannot wait for you to see a room full of people and me talking about this stuff and laughing and yeah. enjoying and taking it seriously and thinking about the implications of what science is telling us about the universe and what we know about how our hearts work and how these are the same, uh, almost the same sides of the same gem. 
different sides of the same gem and you shine light on it and it refracts in different ways. I'm really excited for you to see it because I think it's a lot of what we're talking about here. It's really, really meaningful. That's great. I love how you're bringing like-minded people together and community and, and how you yes. bring laughter to it and joy and, and, but without, Absolutely. yeah, I, it's, it's, it's really a beautiful thing you're doing. So thank you for your work. Oh, that's my pleasure. Thank yeah. you for having me on. This is so great. I will, I'll come back and we'll talk some more at some point. That sounds fun. good. I, I would love that. And good luck on your show tonight. Oh, thank you so much. And I'll meet you in San Francisco and it'll be great. Perfect. Thanks again to everyone for listening. If you're curious where you can find out more about Rob Bell, you can find him at robbell.com. That's R-O-B-B-E-L-L.com. His live tour is called Everything is Spiritual, and you could find all of the dates on his website. And I will be going to the August 10th in San Francisco one. Uh, he's also on Facebook under Rob Bell and his Twitter handle is Real Rob Bell, or you can just Google Twitter Rob Bell. And as always, you can find Cosmos and You on Facebook and Twitter and our website cosmosandyou.com. And just a big thank you to all of you who are listening. This is such a joy for me to make this podcast and having you all listen in is really a treat that I do not take for granted. So thank you very much. And if there's anyone you think who would enjoy this, please feel free to share it um, and expand our community. That would be great. Have a great day.